Oh, come on. If that don't get your blood pumping right there, we are live back in action going ground and pound style so you can hear the sound on your radio dial. This is the third and three podcast presented by the sports column where they give young writers a chance to have their work published and viewed. If that's something you're interested in, then I strongly recommend giving them a follow and let your talents be seen and heard. Speaking of talent, allow me to introduce my teammates, as always, ladies first, and this lady has no problem telling you what's on our mind, and we love it, and we love her. Tricky Nikki G in here, ready to roll. What's happening? That's right. Our theme music of the week is MJ, uh, Michael Jackson, if you haven't figured that out by now. So, I mean, there's a billion to choose from, but we all love this one. So we kicked it off with this bad boy over here and we're going to kick it off with another thing. This guy, Michael Jackson, many talents and another man of many talents, of course, singing, dancing and spinning your mind with his awesome interactive sports questions, comparisons and social media. You know him as the real deal, Damian Adams, but around here we call him Coach. What's up, Captain? How you doing? Doing good, man. I got my Nespresso coffee right here. Got the ready to go. God bless him, man. This guy wakes up three hours early to get the stunt done for us. That's really great. I don't know if I could do it, bro. So we appreciate it. We love you, man. We love you. We are ready to roll in the house. Third and Three Podcast is brought to you by... The Real Deal with Damian Adams and the Group of Sports Podcast. I Guys, I also started a brand new show, which will air once, maybe twice a week when the season starts. Different guests. I did an initial short introduction to the show, went over some off-season moves, the draft, and the schedule of the season. The show is called The 49er Forecast. I like the way that kind of worked out. And I'll have a new episode. Yeah, it's kind of cool, you know? Yeah, I didn't even have to go podcast. I like it, right? It flows, man. Thanks, thanks. So I figured I'd mess around with that, do a little half hour, maybe hour show. And, you know, 49 forecast coming at you, usually on Tuesdays. So support, like always, guys, I appreciate it. You know what it is. What goes around comes around. So as usual, we got a ton of topics to go over, including the breakdown and rankings of the final division in our rankings of the old division individually rankings. And that would be the NFC West. Try saying division four times in one sentence. So get ready for some intensity, hardcore opinions, and the best of all, a bunch of laughs. You know how we do it. But first, we start with some headlines in neighborhood news. So who do we bring on for that? You know it. Oh, who are the people in your neighborhood? In your neighborhood. In your neighborhood. Say All right. We appreciate your wonderful candor as always. Here we go. Uh, yeah, what's happened in the neighborhood is the NBA bubble playoffs are freaking hot, man. Here we go. We have started. It's been great. I know Portland took the first game. And, Damien, we were messing around with that. Does Portland have a chance? But uh, they took the first one. Lakers bounced back with two you know, battles. And LeBron and Davis are in sync right now. So they look pretty unstoppable in round one. Yeah, now the Lakers definitely bounce back. That's why you can't react to game one in such a big way in the playoffs, right? Because it's a time of adjustments, and the Lakers have definitely made those adjustments. And with LeBron and AD, you have two top five players, so you know those guys aren't going to be, you know, struggling for too long when it comes to any team. So you definitely have to see what Portland can do from this point forward, but the Lakers look really unstoppable. Yeah, they look great right now. And, again, that's the point. You can't just go off one game. Again, Portland was playing so hot. The Lakers were just waiting, feeling it out. And, obviously, we've seen what we've seen. And we've seen the same thing from 
the one and eight seed in the Eastern Conference, Nikki. Also, the Magic and the Bucks, where the Magic, you know, somehow beat uh, the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis uh, in Game One, but the Bucks won two games. You know, coming back and again showing Nikki when you're the best. You know, in your conference, you know, it's going to come out, but it may take a game or two to get the kinks out. You know. So that's um, but also look, we got a few sweeps over here right now, which could be done by the end of the day. We got the Raptors up 3-0 on the Nets, no surprise. Maybe a little surprised that the Heat are up 3-0 over the Pacers, but not over here to this uh, Miami dude. The Celtics are up 3-0 on the Sixers, who cannot figure out what the hell is going on. Damien, they can't fight their way out of a garbage bag right now. I don't know what's up with, this, with Philly. Yeah, it's, it looks like it's going in the direction of a coaching change there. Mm-hmm. You have way too much talent. Even with Ben Simmons missing, you have way too much talent to be playing this horrible. And even as a you know, I observed on the outside, you can see that there's coaching lapses. Where you're like, okay, why aren't they making some type of adjustment? Why aren't they getting Joel Embiid the ball in the post more? Just things that basic basketball things that someone like myself who played in high school can see. So yeah, it's definitely something that needs to change. There's too much talent, too much money. Way too much yeah. for them not to be, you know, playing well and looking like they're going to get the broom treatment today. They, it seems like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, break break it out, man. It seems easy. Like, mentally, they seem beaten. Look, we know they're, they're missing Ben Simmons, and that's no small thing. You know, he's tremendous. He may not, may not be a great shooter, but the guy can defend anyone from really one to four or even one to five. He's an excellent defender. He can score. So we understand that aspect of it, but – the process, quote-unquote, I just don't know. They're down 3-0 right now. And MB just frustrates me so much because he can be perfect every night like Giannis, but he isn't. And, Damien, that's really frustrating. You know, we can get into a whole other topic on that, but MB does bother me in that aspect. Um, OKC got back in it last night in overtime. The Rockets were up 2-1, to but OKC stole a game. Uh, the Clippers, they're up 2-1 to now. Dallas... Luca trouble. I don't know. They play today. Uh, he's a game time decision, literally. But without him, Damian, there's no way. And we didn't think that there was a way they were going to win anyway. But Dallas managed to steal a game when Porzingis plays like that. They're a tough matchup. Yeah, they've been the best offense in the league all season. So when you go against a team like the Clippers and you're able to score in that way, you can play with anybody Clippers, Lakers, Bucks, because your offense is always going to keep you in the game. Now, with Dallas, it's about their defense. Yeah. And they keep that up. And Luka's not the best defender, but his size does help on that end. And, of course, offensively, he's just an absolute monster. So he can do scoring, passing the ball, penetrating the offense. And if he's healthy, and which he hasn't been pretty much since the middle of the season with all his ankle problems, things like that, right. he's unstoppable. <laughs> and we see the difference it makes. But I just love how Dallas is playing. I love the passion they're bringing, how they're not scared of the Clippers. You see the Clippers trying to punk them in certain ways. You know, you have right. guys in that team like Harold and Morris. We all know about the Morris twins, especially out here in Phoenix, um, what they can what they can do when they get upset. So definitely <laughs> have a team there that can be intimidating if Dallas is not scared. Now, my favorite series of the first round so far is Dallas and the Clippers. It's been really good. It has been. It's been very exciting. I know the Clippers, you know, they ended up winning that game, you know, after da- uh, Luca went out, you know, pretty serious. But they were, they were going to win that game anyway. But besides the point, yeah, it's been intensity. And, you know, Porzingis not afraid. You know, Harold's like, bring it the freak on. You know, it's been it's been awesome. So my favorite series of the first round, no doubt. Then we got Utah surprisingly up over the Nuggets, uh, two games to one. They play today. Let's see if Denver can even that series out. Nick Nurse, named Coach of the Year. 
No surprise over there, D, as we talked about with that one before. He did a great job with Toronto. We talk, they're up 3-0 in the first round. And then moving on from uh, the NBA, which we're certainly going to talk about a whole lot more, going to the NFL a little bit over here, guys. Uh, Nick, I'll even go to you first. Ravens done with Earl Thomas. This kind of came out of nowhere, basically after an altercation. Uh, well, call him more than an altercation. I mean, he popped Chuck Clark in the face from what we heard. He punched him directly in the face on the sideline. There's been other problems with that with that before, and he did have a good year last year, but Ravens are saying, look, we're going to trade you or whatever or release you if we have to. So they've had it with Earl Thomas, who's been one of the best safeties in the league for, what, you know, eight, ten years. Yeah, I mean, look, he's supposed to be a leader on this team, right? Like, you can't be doing this. And I don't blame them. If you're, you know what, you could have all the talent in the world, but if you're a liability, if you're more problem, you know, more of a headache than you're worth, then go. Cut him, go, go somewhere else. Like, I just, you know what, there's a, we talk about the Patriot way, there's a Raven way too, and I really don't blame them. Like, you need to step up and be a leader. That's not how you do it. That's a great point about being a leader. And let's go to one of our, one of the best leaders I know over here, Damien. What are your thoughts about Earl Thomas? And I look, I know that he's been a tough guy forever, but this is completely and totally ridiculous what he did. Yeah, no, you definitely can't have that, especially like Nikki said, from one of your leaders. He's a veteran on the team. He's supposed to set an example for the young guys, right? You have a lot of young guys coming in each and every year, and you look to Earl Thomas to set the trend on what your season is going to be like and what you expect from your players. And if you set the example now that we're going to release Earl Thomas, a future Hall of Famer from the squad for doing what he did, he puts everybody else in line like, okay, we know this behavior is not acceptable. Um, I do want to know what was said. Because Earl Thomas, Earl Thomas has been in the news this offseason for some things that, you know, some jokes can be made about. And mm. I wonder if that, if that was touched on, and that's why that button was triggered for him to do such a thing. So I do want to know what was said, and if sometimes the punch in the face is worth it, you know. So I yeah. Know what was said and why a punch in the face was given. So that's something that has to be, that's part of the story that has to be brought up, too. Like Nikki says, unacceptable, and I feel like they're gonna release him, and I, I see him being a cowboy pretty soon. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it really is. They'll take any talent they can find, no matter what. I'm surprised Shadavian Clowney's not on the team yet. I mean, this is really unreal. <laughs> Something else, but that's it. You know what? Look, you know. Excuse me, Nikki, I don't mean to be, you know, like manly over here. But, yeah, when if something is said to you, you know, you, sometimes it's hard. If that guy's face is right there, you just want to pop it. You know, like you don't know what was said. So I get it. We don't know that. Maybe we'll find out the truth somehow when, Tom, you know, we it's always just two, a two-story building with that sort of stuff. So we'll decide what we choose to believe over here. But um, other things going around, fantasy football time coming up. I had my fantasy football forecast out a while ago. Check it out. But I'll do an update. Um, but get into more football before we get into our Mount Player Player segment, which I can't wait to do. Nikki, throwing this one to you with uh, your boy Joe Judge over there in the New York Giants. Talk to me. Yeah. No, so have you guys heard? I guess they're upset because, uh, you know, you make a mental mistake. You have to run a lap. Like, he's just coming in hot. Have you guys, like, heard any of this or read up on it? Looks like he's trying to pull the Tom Coughlin method or something. I don't know. Yeah, this Belichickian way or whatever. So I heard everything. Oh, it's sophomoric. Oh, you do this when it's you're like a freshman. Really? What has this team done 
to warrant anybody going easy on them. Let's see, after Coughlin, well, you ran him out of town, basically. We had two years of McAdoo-doo. I don't know what the hell was going on there. <laughs> two years of, like, Shermer, just clueless. So we had, you guys have done nothing. You've been the worst team in the NFL for, I don't know, three, four years. You win two games. Three games, your defense sucks, the secondary's not existent. So, what do you expect? This is Joe Judge. His name is on the line. Don't blame him. Come in hot. You guys have done jack shit toward anybody going easy on you. You want to be a winner, then you better work 10 times harder than everybody else. And if you don't want to be there, then you can go because I guarantee you somebody else will take your spot in a heartbeat. So, is this more of like the crybaby attitude? Are we talking out of players? Is that what I'm hearing? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I don't want to run laughs if I made a mental mistake. Oh, could you? I really. I mean, well, then don't make the mistake. You made a million mental mistakes. Yeah, Damien, you know, you could speak to this. When you hit the big time, when you're in the NFL and, you know, a new guy comes to town, I understand, you know, it may not be orthodox or whatever you want to call it, but he's the head coach. You got to do what he says. Yeah. No, you definitely, as a head coach, you got to find that fine line as well because you don't want to lose your players, but you also have to instill discipline. And if, you know, you're running a lap every time you make a mental mistake, you, you know, you miss a block or you run the wrong route or on defense, you're not in the right zone, those type of things need to be rectified. And if running a lap is going to make you not do it anymore, I'm all for it. You have to get in shape. You have, that's a better way of doing that as well. Um, there's a famous uh, quote apart from the movie, Remember the Titans, where Coach Boone makes Petey run a mile from fumbling the football. Right, right. <laughs> so it is, and now, of course, that's high school, but those things should still be instilled through pros as well. You I, do even more since you're getting paid. I get it. <laughs> so that's the thing, man. So as a coach, I understand that pro players, there's going to be certain things that you can't do that you did in college. You can't speak to players certain ways because the players make more than you, and they have a lot, a lot more power than high school and college players. But the players should be all for it. The leaders of the team should be like, okay, if you don't want to run a mile, it's not making these mistakes. Right. That's what we have to do to be a better team. Right. Be disciplined, no doubt. You know, I was remember, you guys are making me remember in the movie The Program, he's falling asleep. He's always got to hang on to the football because he fumbled the ball all the time. So he's falling asleep in class a little bit, and somebody knocks the ball out. And in the middle of class, you got like 15 football players running after the football to try to get it. I'm, classic sort of stuff, man. Really classic. Oh, man. All right. Well, look, we're going to get into more of that, of course. But one more thing with neighborhood news we're going to get to. Uh, very odd headlines, which I did not expect before we get to Mount Play a Player. Oscar De La Hoya, Damien. Take it away. He's 47 years old, and he's doing something that I guess maybe becoming a trend. I don't know. Yeah, so he's joining Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. and making a comeback. And the difference is, Oscar La Hoya is saying he's not going to do an exhibition fight against another legend. He wants to come back for real. Right, right, right. right. Which is very dangerous for somebody who's been out of the game for 12 years. I feel like he heard the podcast, heard you say that he was overrated. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe for the <laughs> no wonder why we're getting so many listeners. Yeah. And they're one of the biggest promotion companies. 
against Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao, who people would think that would be like the good matches for him to try to get with those guys being only a little bit younger than him. Right, right. But those guys at that age destroyed him and probably would destroy him now. So then you have to go like, okay, so who else could he fight? He definitely don't want to go against any young welterweights that's, you know, in their prime right now for him. So it's going to be interesting to see who he tries to fight. Uh, for me, I just hope he's careful because I always say you can't play boxing. Like, it's cool to see an old guy mm. playing basketball and school young dudes. If he gets shook or he gets dumped on, it's okay because he's an old dude. Then, you know, you move on to the next play. And boxing, if an old dude gets embarrassed, it's not funny. Right. Yeah, you're so right about that. Again, you can't play boxing again. You're going one-on-one with somebody who's, you know, looking to take your head off and, you know, looking to beat your body into submission. And and that's the bottom line. They're there for a payday. And like you said, there ain't no exhibition. He's coming back for real. And, yeah, I don't know who he's going to fight either. I mean, is the guy he fights going to take it easy on him? Look, he's 47 years old, real quick, to go through this. And even if he were to fight uh, Floyd Mayweather, who's 42, I think, right now, whatever it is, he'll beat the crap out of him. I mean, it's just a weird scenario. I applaud him for wanting to come back and fight. You know, God bless you. I want you to stay safe and healthy. But, yeah, that's, to me, the biggest question. Who are you going to fight? Because it's not like... Even the heavyweight division where guys stick around like Foreman and Larry Holmes and these other guys who will fight late in their career. When you're welterweight, you know, lightweight, you know, you know, bantamweight, whatever you want to call it, they don't those guys don't stick around. They're done when they're 38, 39 years old. So this is a little strange. A little strange. And again, I don't know, 47 years old coming out of retirement. So we will see what that happens. More neighborhood news on that coming in another day and another time. But let's get to a little mount play a player action and the theme this week is one that we've been kind of holding on to a little bit, but, but uh, we're ready to go. And if it goes to show you anything, again, our MO on the show is the fact that we don't talk about or rehearse anything. We go over our topics and whatever it is it is. So I wrote down a whole bunch of best head coach quarterback combinations of all time, like I know my teammates did, because I'm sure we're going to have a bunch of the same ones. But let's see what kind of interesting ones pop out over here. So I am ready to roll with this one. If you guys don't mind, I'll, I'll take the first one. I want to make it, again, a little bit different, a little interesting. You know, there's so many obvious ones we can go down. But I'm going to go down a road where it is a little strange. Maybe we did or didn't think of it. The Jim Kelly, Marv Levy era going to four Super Bowls in a row. Look, I know they lost them all, but that's phenomenal. I mean, the AFC wasn't, you know, like a juggernaut back then. It really was the NFC's you know, quest to the Super Bowl for almost 20 straight years. But the fact that the Bills got there four years in a row, and I know it wasn't just Jim Kelly and Marv Levy, but, you know, when you talk about quarterback and head coach combination, four years in a row to do that, inventing the K-Gun offense, which was, you know, again, unheard of in those days, going from shotgun almost 50% of the time. Damien, I I believe they deserve to be somewhere around there. Yeah, that's a great pick. Like you said, it's not easy at all to make the four straight Super Bowls. Uh, we all make fun of the failures they had in the Super Bowls, but to get there alone is an amazing accomplishment. And Jim Kelly is one of the best to ever do it. Great play calling from Levy and that coaching staff. And he had good defense as well, which is part of the head coach's responsibility, is providing that that availability between the team, offense and defensively. So I love that combination there. That's a good pick. 
All right. I appreciate it. Nikki, uh, I know that you're kind of almost happy with that one as the Giants won that Super Bowl uh, against the Bills in the 1990s. So, you know, that's what kind of kicked it off for them. Uh, You know, no pun intended, as Scott Norwood missed a kick from 47 yards out wide right with living infamy. Yeah, I guess they were the antithesis of the New England Patriots, but look, they still got there, and I commend them for that. There's nothing wrong with second place. It's okay. All right, so that was my first one, um, but look, I got like 35 more, but we're only going to basically do our top four over here, so let's see if we run into any barriers. Damien, what's your first one, bro? Oh, you already know what my first one is. Yeah, I, I do. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Let me stop you, Damien, for one second. I just want to say something because I know you're a Saints fan die hard, and everybody knows that is listening to this show. But there's no doubt. I just want to let you know they're on my top four also, what they've done. Please continue because there's no bias in this. You're 100% right. Yes. So, yeah, coming from me, it might sound biased, but this combination should definitely be in everybody's top four or their mouth play a player. Um, <laughs> That's what it is a lot before I throw it to you, Nikki, to, to reply to that. But it's really been them because, you know, you had Marcus Colston at a time and Jimmy Graham at a time and now Michael Thomas at a time. So it's always been really just one wide receiver to deal with. And it's always worked out. And, you know, Sean Payton with his creative ideas, like, you know, now having Taysom Hill and doing certain things in the backfield when he had Darren Sproles and so on and so forth. So his creativity along with Drew Brees' accuracy and his intellect Forget about it. They they totally belong up there, Nikki. No, they, yeah, they were on my list. So I guess we'll like all kind of share this one. But like, they've been like kicking ass and kicking knees since what? Oh six. Sure. I mean, how they they just have to be 
on your list. And there's really not much more to add than that what you guys already said, but they definitely have to be there. Ah, they got to. They absolutely have to. And that's a great one. And it may be one of the best of really all time. We have a few more to mention over here for sure. So let's uh, let's get a few more. And uh, even if it goes to the next segment, I want to get these out because we have a lot of great ones in here. Nikki, what's your first one? Right, right, of course. Yes, like let's leave, let's leave Brady Belichick, Walsh, Montana, like off the. We know they belong there. They're the Godfathers of everything. So let's let's totally like they're there. I like it. You know what? Also, Damien, to add a bow in it, wasn't Tony Dungy the first black quarterback, uh, black quarterback, listen to me, black head coach to win the Super Bowl? Yeah. He was, uh, right. Even uh, even better. Make their appearance in the same one. Uh, there are, right after um, it was, who was the coach for the parents at the time? Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith. So, yeah, you had, yeah, so you had the first two head coaches make their appearance in the same one. And Tony Dungy was well, the first black head coach to win. I love it too. There's no doubt. I'm all over that pick. And and again, I, I think it being very significant in the conversation is that Tony Dungy was the first black quarterback to win uh, a Super Bowl. Again, with the quarterback, head coach to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> Jesus Christmas. I drank. I had, I, yeah, right. Thank you. <laughs> this quarterback had a couple of drinks last night, but I didn't think it was that many. God. All right. Let me go to another quarterback combination with uh, head coach over here. And I'm not going to say too much about it because I don't know much about it except for what the little tape and what I've read. But they've won five championships, which includes the two Super Bowls, the first two ever. And that'd be Bart Starr and Vince Lombardi. You can't leave them out. And I'm not saying Bart Starr is the greatest quarterback ever. Vince Lombardi is certainly one of the best coaches that you ever talk about. Right now, we talk about Bill Belichick, talked about Walsh in the 80s, but Vince Lombardi was like the guy. I mean, they were quoting things after him left and right. Forget it. So him and Bart Starr, what they did, five championships, like almost sequentially, is is fantastic. It's almost basically like what Brady and Belichick did, but in a much shorter period of time, Damien. Yes. No, you have to put them in the conversation. When you think of just the pioneers, you think of Bart Starr and Vince Lombardi. The trophy is called the Lombardi Trophy. So when you think of Super Bowls, you have to think of him first and foremost. That's a great pick. We have to remember those who set the way for what we have now. So it's a great pick. Right. Thank you. Thank you, Nikki. I mean, they're basically the ones who started it all, kind of, with the quarterback-head coach duo. Yes, they did. And I jotted them down as well. So we're all on the same page. I mean, look, their greatest moment, the ice bowl, right? Mm, nice one. Nice one. The quarterback sneak, Bart Starr, taking it up the middle. You know, I, yep, that's it. 
That's it. Had another one with the Colts over there against the Gi- A lot of classics. There really were so many. Let's see if we get another classic quarterback head coach uh, combination in Damian. And we're going to come back to it after the break and do a couple of more each if we can. Uh, let's see who's next on your list, bro. So for me, I think you will appreciate this one. Going with Steve Young and George Oh, I love it. God bless you. Thank you. You get to talk about it. I don't even have to. I don't have to brag and boast over here. Thank you. <laughs> Man, it was a great combination. They were only together for seven years because, you know, Steve Young was a backup for such a long time behind Montana and also had that time, you know, at Tampa Bay, which people like to forget about. But <laughs> when they got together, man, they were top five in points per game every year they were together. Uh, they got a Super Bowl, of course, in 94, made the playoffs each year they were together. Uh, they were number one in points per game four times during the time they were together. Their offense was absolutely phenomenal during that time. Joe Seifert and Steve Young definitely should go down as one of the best combinations when you think of head coach and quarterback. And Steve Young is probably underrated as far as his ranking all-time among QBs. I'm so glad he did, and honestly, really, because I think that Steve Young is so underrated because he played behind Montana. We only got a few seconds left before we go into the break, but I need to say real quick that, in that, especially in that Super Bowl, look, they were favored by 19 and a half points. Please look it up. 19 and a half. They freaking covered it. They won 49 to 26. It was phenomenal. They let San Diego score a couple of points to Stan Humphreys at the end, but they scored touchdown after touchdown. They were unstoppable finally beating the Cowboys in the NFC Championship. It was great. Steve Young, if his career was prolonged with a better team other than Tampa and also playing in the USFL, who knows what would have happened. I love that call. Third and three podcast, guys. We're coming back. We got more for you. Hang in there for about 60 seconds. picture the bar scene right now he's coming in he's a bad boy (laughs) oh tell me you're feeling that right there michael jackson it is michael jackson theme music on this sunday on the third and three podcast kicking your ass as we always do nikki damian and jason over here presented by the sports column we appreciate you all and again brought to you by the real deal with damian adams and the Roof of Sports podcast. And also, guys, I want you to check out the 49er forecast. First episode, the pilot, as they call it, is up. But I'll be doing another one in the upcoming week. So we're going to check that bad boy out. But this beat it over here is, look, it's near and dear to my heart as I'm a huge Michael Jackson fan. But it is so to Damien as well. And I can't wait to hear why.
we had a good time with it. I think my little sister has the game, so we might have to bust out an adult edition, edition of us doing it now. But, yeah, it was, it was definitely fun learning all the dances on those Michael Jackson videos. And the beat one was the one that we took. We took extra time to make sure that we got it down. And so they said, because of that, practice makes perfect. I still remember it. That is just... Yeah, what's up? We getting that on the YouTube channel or what? Right? <laughs> I have so many responses to that right now. I can't go through all of them. But one thing I will say is that uh, I, I'm all about it. I love it. And just one thing that's very ironic, when I'm at weddings, I don't know how to start. Well, actually, I do know how to start. At, at, at Sweet 16, I'll make the story very, very brief. Somehow I ended up doing uh, um, Billie Jean in the middle of like a whole crowd. I have no idea. I had this hat on that looked at Michael Jackson. Anyway, it stuck with me through my life from when I was 16 through weddings, which I've been to about 30 of them, where Jason Fearman is called to the stage to do Michael Jackson. And I have to perform at every single wedding. I swear to God, let me be struck. God forbid. I am telling you the gods to honest truth. I have to do it every time. So I know how you feel having to memorize dance moves. And I've never perfected the moonwalk. It is so hard. I just cannot do it that well. But the other stuff, I'll kick my leg and I'll grab my, you know what, in order to have a good time over there. Anyway, Michael Jackson. <laughs> oh, we got a lot of on this show. Dancers here? Oh, you don't. Yo, you get me and Damien on stage together, forget it. We're going to kill it. That's going to be it right there. That's it. All right. Oh, that'd be freaking fantastic. Oh, man. Third and three podcasts. Again, having so much fun over here. We're going to do a couple of more each of the now play a player, best head coach and quarterback combination of all time. We already knew that Brady and Belichick and Walsh and Montana are on there. We did Bart Starr. We did Dungy and uh, Peyton Manning. Of course, we did Sean Payton and Drew Brees. Totally deserved to be up there. Kelly and Marv Levy. We got a few more. I'll throw another one, one of my maybe last ones out there, but I got a couple more. But this one, again, is old school, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But if it had not been for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Tom Landry and Roger Storback probably would have won more championships as it pains me so much in the 70s for the Dallas Cowboys. They learned to work together. There was a big story about him and Danny White had to keep – or yeah, him and Danny White had to keep rotating in and out or whatever – Roger Storback, being from the Navy, came into the uh, NFL a little bit late, but him and Tom Landry finally clicked, and Storback went on to be the uh, starting quarterback for the Cowboys for whatever it was, 10 years, won two Super Bowls, and again, I think it would have been more had it not been for mean Joe Green and the boys over there in Pittsburgh. So they did a great job together winning two Super Bowls in the 70s when you had the Raiders and the Pittsburgh Steelers were around, really tough to beat, so... I just have to give credit to them as much as it hurts me. Not that I even want to talk about it any further. I want to hear your guys, but I have to pay respect to that right there. Yeah, no, I definitely love that pick. Again, you got to pay respect to those who came first. And though the numbers of Starback and those guys back in the day may not be as impressive as the numbers today, but when you compare it to their contemporaries and quarterbacks that they played against, you see the tremendous play that they had. So well, that's the thing right there. Super Bowl victories, and they got two of them, and, and they certainly earned it. Uh, I got plenty more, but uh, whose turn is it up now? Damien, I believe. Let's hear your next one. I think we skipped Nikki. Oh, I'm sorry, Nikki. I totally apologize. Nikki, your turn, sweetie. I apologize. No, that's okay. Whatever. Well, speaking of the Steelers, I do have Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin on my list. I like that. Really? Just, yeah, just I 
I mean, reputation, longevity, um, not so much, you know, I'm not really counting last year. I know that was kind of, it, it, I don't think it's either of their, their faults. If Roethlisberger didn't get hurt, I guarantee you they would have went much further um, than they did. But just kind of overall, like looking at what they've done together, I mean, 115-60-1 is their record, .653 winning percentage, six AFC North titles, two Super Bowl appearances, eight and seven in the postseason. Roethlisberger, six Pro Bowl appearances, led the NFL in passing yards twice, measured the pass rating of over 103 times. So, I mean, that is a long time to consistently produce at a high level. That is a lot of great stats right there, Damian, and to even back it up with what I saw on the field, that Super Bowl against Arizona, which was the most exciting fourth quarter I've ever seen, and probably the play best play I've ever seen in the Super Bowl was James Harrison returning that all the way in, before halftime. But other than that, Ben and Santonio Holmes connecting all the way down the field, and that perfect throw and catch was incredible. Yeah, they got beat by the Packers in the Super Bowl of the year a couple of years before that, I believe it was. Uh, again, my... No, yeah, a couple of years before they got they played um Arizona, then they played the Packers a couple of years after. I apologize, lost to them, but uh, no doubt, according to all those numbers and the two Super Bowl appearances, winning winning one, Damon, you can't go wrong there. Yeah, when you have a team that is constantly in the conversation, they're back in competition this year because we know their defense was good last year. You know, a healthy Roethlisberger is still a top ten guy. So when you have a team that's only constantly in the conversation for Super Bowl appearances and being a contender, that's down to the coach and quarterback. So you have to throw Tomlin and Hawksburg in there. I love that pick. That's right. That's the constant. Now, they lost Antonio Brown, as we know, but they were always against still with their defense, with Mike Tomlin being one of my favorite head coaches, Ben Roethlisberger, putting up all those numbers and always being in the conversation of a possible Super Bowl championship team. Yeah, Nikki, there's no doubt, especially when preseason, they're already saying, yeah, these guys are going to be one of the top four teams every single year pretty much. So, great call right there, no doubt. All right, Damien, what's your next one? So, for my next one, it's an older one, but you can still see the influence of this coach and quarterback today. And at the time, people thought it was more of a fad, what they were doing, but it's proven to be the future. And I'm talking about Don Corral and Dan Phelps. Oh, good one. Yeah, they really set out a different style, you know, the, the Al Corral offense. Um, during the time they, their time together, they were ranked number one in points per game three times. They were top five, five times of points per game. And they were eight times ranked top five in yards per game. They were definitely airing the ball out. A lot of people, you know, think of Dan Fouts as just the guy with the beard you see on CBS telecast. But <laughs> when, he was playing, <laughs> when he was playing, man, he was somebody who you had to be aware of because he had a monster arm. He knew exactly where to go with the football, and that offense really unleashed him. So I had to give a shout-out to Don Carell and Dan Fouts on my list. I think it's a great one. I didn't even have it on my list. And they, they had that one Super Bowl appearance in 79, I think. They lost to the Steelers, of course. But, yeah, their offense was great. I remember that one game against – well, I don't remember it. It was one. But that one game against <laughs> Miami, uh, they uh, played in uh, – and Kellen Winslow was, like, hot, you know, helped off the field by two of his teammates. It just, like, incredible stuff. Their offense was no doubt great. And, again, going with the head coach, it, it just makes a hell of a lot of sense – I'll give my last one. There's one really obvious one out there, and if we don't say it, I'll say it at the end, but I just kind of refuse to gag it out of my mouth. And it's hard to get some of these other ones out of my mouth, to be honest with you. But I'll give, before I give this other one credit, 
I'll give Mike Holmgren and Brett Favre credit. Look, they you talk about an offensive mind in Mike Holmgren who coached Montana and coached Steve Young and then got to coach Brett Favre, who came from Atlanta. Let's not forget. I know mean, you guys know that, but for some of our fans out there. And really, once he got to Green Bay, they, they competed with the Cowboys and the 49ers. They were right there. Holmgren, great offensive mind. Favre, incredible talent, was basically that quarterback of the 90s, really one of the best ones out there. They won one Super Bowl, I understand. They lost another one against Denver, but they were another team that was always constantly in the talks, Nikki, of they are one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl this year during the 90s. Yeah, no, I have them on my list, too. Like, Mike Holmgren understood that Farg needed development, right? He had over-the-top arm strength, quick release, you know, high risk, high reward. But Holmgren recognized that and really, really worked with him, developed him. I mean, Farg was, like, prolific, so they have to be there. Yeah, even with the interceptions, Damian, I mean, what they did, and again, you know, always getting so far, if not to the Super Bowl and whatnot, Got to pay respect to that offensive mind and Brett Favre's ability. Yeah, when you look at Brett Favre's career and his best years, three of those came with Mike Holmgren. He was able to hone him in into where he wasn't throwing as many interceptions. And when Favre is not throwing interceptions, what can you do with Brett Favre? Yeah. Like, there's nothing you can do to stop him when he's not giving the ball away. And outside of that one, that one really good year he had in Minnesota, we went to the NFC Championship game. His best years were in those middle years where he won those MVPs with Holmgren, and that's a great pick. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, look, three straight MVPs. One of them he shared with Barry Sanders, who, of course, deserved to be in there. But three straight MVPs by Brett Favre, not freaking bad right there. All right, um, who are we up to right now? Nikki, I believe it's your turn. Yes, and you're going to hate this, but I have to go Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. Wow. I'm sorry. No, it's a great one. It's a great one. I can't say nothing. Again, it's all about respect, Damien, so I'll defer to you, and, and, and that's it. Respect right there. That's all. <laughs> no, that's a great pick. They're on my list as well. When you look at what they've been able to do, the um, only thing that you can say against it is that some people have, you can nitpick with Pete Carroll about the offense and how things happen. You can say that we haven't seen the best of Russell Wilson because the offense has been so designed about the run. And Russell Wilson, we can say that even with him being so great, there's more greatness to be had because the offense hasn't been just truly about him yet. So I think that Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson have even more they can do. Yeah, that's very true. Pete Carroll's energy makes him look like he's, you know, 35 years old. It's it's a good pick, no doubt. Um, Damien, I think you oh, got... gun-chewing. Yeah, that guy, yeah, I know, right? Like Pete Carroll does. Yep. <laughs> But God, you know, when he's a, a thousand years old and he's finally passed on, his mouth will still be moving in his grave. There is no doubt. You cannot stop the joy. It's incredible. Damien, I believe you have the last one. And if it's not the one that I'm going to say, I'm not going to talk about it, but I'll just name it. So what do you got? See, I'm not going to take the one I believe you're going to do. So I'm going to do a different one. I'm going to go with Mike Shanahan and John Elway. Great call. Great call. Yeah. yeah. That combination of 
Nation, you think about all the goals that they went to, um, you think about that Shanahan was able to bring the best out of Elway by taking the ball out of his hands. Mm. It's it easier, mm. right? Because you think about when Terrell Davis was implemented to the offense and once they started that zone running scheme that, you know, Shanahan made famous and got other running backs, you know, big contracts, you know, Clinton Portis and the Mike Andersons of the world. When Terrell Davis was out there getting those yards, and then you had to worry about the play action with John Elway being at a you know an older age, still being able to run and give you those bootlegs and do all the things that he could do. You got two straight Super Bowls. So you think about the greatness of John Elway being somebody who's constantly in the top five conversations, quarterbacks, and Mike Shanahan, what he was able to do and finally get him over that hump, right? When you think about John Elway, all the failures he had in the playoffs, yeah. then Shanahan came and really got them over the top. So I had to put that combination at well, they're on my list for sure. I have a feeling it's on Nikki's list also. And another thing to go with L.A. and Shanahan is that L.A. wanted Dan Reeves out of there because he Shanahan was the offensive coordinator. He loved him. He wanted him to be the head coach. And, again, that's a testament to what happened when he got there in 1995. They ended up winning two titles a few years later, uh, back-to-back with – well, with the second one with, was with East. The one against Green Bay, they really fought for. It was a great Super Bowl if, uh, for those who don't uh, remember. But, yeah, Nikki, there's no doubt. That one was on my list. Easy. For sure, but I am so interested. What is this combination that you can't say? How come or you guys have? I know that Damien knows where I'm going to go, and I don't want to talk about it because, again, it makes me ill. But it's freaking Jimmy Johnson and Troy Aikman. It has to be. You won three damn Super Bowls in the '90s. I know you got Emmitt Smith and everybody else, but quarterback and head coach, Jimmy Johnson and Troy Aikman. I don't want to talk about it anymore. But Damien, was that the one you thought I was going to? Um, no, I thought you were gonna go Bill Washington, Montana. Oh no, I th- yeah. Oh, I, I we thought we said in the beginning Brady Belichick and Walsh Montana are already in the Hall of Fame. We don't even got to talk about that. That just speaks for itself. But no, I mean, uh, Jim, I can't. Jimmy Johnson and Troy Aikman. I know they won two really together, and Barry Switzer won the third one. But that was Jimmy Johnson's team. He brought all those guys, and he drafted everybody. Basically, half the team is from freaking Miami. Uh, you know the U over there, but. Look, they did what they did, and Aikman wasn't the greatest, as we know, but it just worked out, the game manager, whatever you want to call it. So I like to not, you know, get sick any further and just go to the next segment, if you don't mind. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do it. Let's do it. I guess we can thank Jerry Jones for having too much pride because that combination could have so much more if he wasn't so hungry for some credit no doubt about it one billion percent and when he, that his favorite moment was when barry spritzer won and then jimmy johnson wasn't there it was like ah, ha, ha, proved it to you you know but no nah, that was jimmy's team so anyway we're moving on to our next segment and we're not going to go through it fast but we're going to move through it a little bit quickly because we want to make sure we get to everything today it's the final division that we've gone over this is the eighth division the last one nfc west rankings we do our quarterbacks running backs and wide receivers this one can go a lot of ways. I had, a again, like the last three that we did, guys, I had a little bit of trouble with it. Not really at the quarterback. And I like to kind of start, if you don't mind, because I think that you may be a little surprised. No shock at one. I've talked about Russell Wilson a billion times. He's number one. He's number one in the whole freaking league, all right? Even over Patrick Holmes to me, I think Russell Wilson is the best quarterback in the league. And that pays homage to what Nikki said before with Pete Carroll and, and Russell Wilson. Two, You'd think maybe I'd go with a guy who went to the Super Bowl or another guy who went to the Super Bowl. But I went to a guy with who's 5-10-1 last year, Kyla Murray at number two. Because when it comes to talent, Jimmy G and Jared Goff 
have nowhere near the talent that Kyler Murray has in his pinky. It's not even close. So Kyler Murray has to be two for me just by the fact that he can throw the ball just as well as those guys. He may be a whole foot shorter, but it doesn't matter. He gets the job done. So two, I got Kyler Murray. Three is Jimmy G because I know who he is. Four, Jared Goff because I don't know who he is. And I've been saying since he was drafted that, guys, I'm just not sure. And then, you know, they went to the Super Bowl. I understand they had a great team around them, but now look what's kind of happened. So I guess it could be flip-flopped at the bottom, but in my mind, Russell Wilson, best quarterback in the league. Kyler Murray, as much talent as anybody. Then Jimmy G, then Jared Goff. That's how I went with quarterbacks. Uh, I definitely like that order a lot. Uh, I just go ahead and, and go next. I had the exact same order. Russell Wilson, no-brainer at number one. We all talked about how great he is. Kyler Murray at two. You got to think about the fact that, like you said, the talent that he has there. He hasn't proven what Jimmy G and Jared Goff have as far as team accomplishments yet. But his talent is remarkable when you think about his mobile ability, his arm strength, and now what he can do with this offense that's going forward. Put porn star Jimmy at three uh, <laughs> and put him there. Uh, I believe that he's over Jared Goff, like you said, because you know exactly what you're going to get from Jimmy G. With Jared Goff, I feel like he has to have the exact right team around him. That year they went to the Super Bowl, he had the exact right team. The running game was there. Stellar wide receivers, stellar defense. If it's not all there for him, he's not going to pick you up in any way. I agree. Right? So I'd have Russell Wilson, Colin Murray, Jimmy G, Jared Goff. My QB rankings. All right. Well, we got the same ones there, and for the exact same reasons. Let's see if Nikki went a different way. I did not. I have the same exact order as you guys have, so we are all on the same page. Russell Wilson, we talk about this guy all the time. Hello, somebody give this guy MVP vote. Thank you. Yeah, all right. right. <laughs> Two, Kyler Murray. Yeah, what dynamic, okay? 3,722 yards. He rushed more than 500 yards. Great lowest interception percentage in the league behind Russell Wilson, okay? So he's on track for a huge year. Yeah, I have Jimmy G at three. Listen, I don't know if he can be the reason the 49ers are great, but he did have success last year. I guess you could say the Super Bowl win was, or loss, I'm sorry, it was not <laughs> successful, but I think, look, it was just <laughs> really hard to stop money, Mahomes. Um and then Jared Goff, like, I don't even know what we're doing here. Increase in interceptions, decrease in touchdowns. He had the lowest passer rating in the division. That O-line is shaky. I don't know. You guys think the Rams have buyer's remorse with him? I mean, you want to talk about overrated? I feel like that guy is the definition of overrated. <clears throat> Damien, they gave him a hell of a lot of money, man, before they knew what they got. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if he's overrated, but he's definitely overpaid. Yeah, he's overpaid. <laughs> he's definitely overpaid. So, all right. So, really, it's just that he's trending down, and Kyler Murray, Jimmy G are on the up, you know? So. It's true. It's true. All right, we'll see. Yeah, even, even though they both went to Super Bowls, Kyler Murray's got so much more talent that we had to go with him, too, and Russell Wilson. Well, we all actually agreed. Running backs was a real tough one. Damien, if you want to start this one, th there's a lot to go through with this, and we'll try to do it as quick as we can, but as efficiently as possible. Go forward, for my friend. Yeah, I had a tough time with this one. I went back and forth a little bit. Um, I went first with San Francisco because their running game as a whole is just so good, and they're so creative with it. I love Mostart there as the main guy. Tevin Coleman, when healthy, is a great change of pace back, backup guy who can catch up the backfield. McKinnon 
got so she signed that big contract talking about stealing money. Yeah. Uh, and the <laughs> second spot, I went with Arizona. King and Drake, you know, he's the reason, and Chase Edmonds are the reason that they felt so comfortable trading away David Johnson. I think that they have a huge year this year. And a lot of people talk about the passing of that offense, but it's really made for the running game because it's so spread that the running backs get in space, and I think those two running backs will definitely take advantage of that. That's right. Third, I went with Seattle. Chris Carson is a very good back. Rashad Penny definitely is a good back as well. Those guys, health, health, stay healthy, and they can really do some big things with Seattle. And fourth, I went with the Rams. There's a lot of unknowns there at that running back position. Cam Akers, you know, what is he going to be as a pro? You got Darrell Henderson, who doesn't have the best yards per carry average there. Maybe he can improve on that. And Malcolm Brown, who has been a guy who they haven't really trusted to do the full extent of, you know, carry low type running back. So San Francisco, Arizona, Seattle, then the Rams, smart running backs. And Nikki, before I throw it to you, again, I have the same thing as Damian, and without having to go into it too much, really, again, I, I was a little close with the Cardinals because Chase Edmonds, if we forget, you know, some people do forget, but when he came in, uh, when uh, Johnson wasn't healthy, he lit it up. He was incredible. So if he can stay healthy along with Kenyon Drake, that'd be great. Seahawks and Rams got so many injury issues and not sure who everybody is. Yeah, we know Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, Carlos Hyde got there this year. And he's been going to like so many teams in the past year or two. And I don't know why, because I think he's pretty solid. But I'm with you 100%. My team, 49ers, number one, Cardinals, two, Seahawks, three, Rams, four. Nikki, are you on the same page? Or are you going elsewhere? I No, I am exactly what you guys have. I have 49ers, one, Arizona, two, Seattle, three. They got a good duo there. Again, it's the, they're so injury prone. And four, we had too many question marks with the Rams. So not much more to add. You guys did a great job, but I'm on the same page. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not like we – again, there's not much more to add. I mean, it is what it is. The 49ers got depth. The Cardinals got that talent. And the Seahawks and the Rams got their injury issues, and we're just not sure. When you have three, four running backs, you know, that you're all – you're not sure which one is going to start the year. You got kind of an issue. It's great to have depth and everything, but Jarek McKinnon uh, – Jarek McKinnon, excuse me, a guy like you mentioned, we've had him for two years in San Fran, and he hasn't played yet, and he's looking great in training camp, so please let him stay healthy. Let's get to wide receivers before we get to one more quick break. We have the wide receiver section. Nikki, I would like to throw it to you first and see what you got. Okay. Oh, I don't know. Geez, is it a surprise we're number one? I'm <laughs> <laughs> going Arizona, obviously. Hopkins, Fitzgerald. I mean, watch out here. Like, I cannot wait to see what this passing scheme looks like with Hopkins. They're going to have a huge year. Um, I got Ramsey, too. I Probably they took a little hit, right, to trade away Brandon Cooks. But, look, you got Woods, you got Cooper Cup. That is a great duo. They got a question mark there at three with Reynolds. Um, three, I went Seattle. They have a good duo there. Again, Lockett, Metcalf. They both could probably go over 1,000 this season. They have uncertainty at the third two, but they use more of a two tight end set, so I feel like that three is not that important for them. And then four, I went with the 49ers. All right, well, a little unproven, and I feel like their whole offense is George Kittle. So, (laughs) Mm. yeah, I you know, I can understand Debo Samuel coming in, um, not extremely healthy going into the seasons. You know, it can only help that that he gets healthy really quickly. Damien, before I throw it to you, this is where we do differ. Um, but I do have you know, number one, Fitz Hopkins and Christian Kirk. Bam, that's it right there. And again, we talked about Kyle Murray's talent, so. 
I think that they're in for a big season passing wise. And we'll talk about numbers and predictions another time for sure. So I got them one, but two, I did go with the Niners because George Kittle is so great. Debo Samuel could do so much. And I'm expecting a lot out of their rookie Brandon Ayuk, but they also got guys like who didn't play last year, like Dante Pettis. We got Tavon Austin. Okay. Yeah. He could fill in a little bit. Kendrick Bourne is good for a few passes, but they got a lot of depth where they can bring guys in and the way that they're creative with their offense, I think will work out. But I should have, and the more I think about it, I'm thinking that, you know what, Nikki, maybe I should have agreed and gone with the Rams at number two. Robert Woods, Cooper Cup is a pretty good combination. You add in two tight end sets with Tyler Higbee and Gerald Everett, not bad. And then Josh Reynolds, yeah, he's okay. He could be your third guy. So not bad right there. But the thing with Seattle, why I put them fourth, I like DK Metcalf a lot. I'm not sure if Tyler Lockett's going to be really healthy this year. I'm not sure what's up with Wes Disley after, you know, whatever. Greg Olson is now on the team. I don't know what he's going to bring. You got Luke Wilson. They got a lot of tight ends, but not a lot of great wide receivers. So that's why I went with them fourth, guys. So, Damian, let's see where you go. Let's see if we all differentiate. Yeah, I think we all do have different lists on this one. I really struggle with the wide receiver list. When you add tight ends into it, I mean, it's really hard. Right. Um, first up with Arizona, easy. You got three guys who are capable of going up a thousand yards. Um, and with Hopkins, Fitzgerald, and Kirk. Second, I went with Seattle. I really like Tyler Lockett. You mentioned his health. That's a big thing. That's why I struggle with it. But when he's healthy, him and Wilson are one of the best combinations in the league. I believe they had behind Michael Thomas and Drew Brees the best completion percentage when throwing that combination. Metcalf. Had 900 yards as a rookie. Only can imagine how he's going to improve as he improves on the nuances of the game. Greg Olson, you got to imagine a veteran tight end with Russell Wilson is going to be great. Um, third, I went with the Rams because Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are both a thousand yard guys. Tyler Higby, very good tight end. They have a great core there. Even though they got rid of Brandon Cooks, you still have two great wide receivers and a very good tight end there. Fourth, I went with San Francisco. I wanted to put them higher, but I was like, okay, is George Kittle enough by himself to put him up on the list? Because Debo Samuel, very good. I love the name. It definitely fits him. He <laughs> runs like Debo. He just runs over people. I love that. Um, Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State, I like a lot. As somebody who's going to add as a rookie. But I've struggled a lot with this one, but I went Arizona Seattle, Rams, and San Francisco. All right, so you guys are on the same page uh, a little bit more as we get ready to close out this segment. we got an- another great one for you coming up in you know 30 seconds from the commercial break. But I hear where you guys are going with the 49ers being fourth. I understand that. And I should have given the Rams a little bit more respect. But then I wonder about Jared Goff. And, yes, Seattle, look, if Tyler Lockett's healthy, you you backed up the stats, Damian. They will have – you know, plenty of, you know, touchdowns and tippy-toe touchdowns. You know, they're a great combination. So I agree there. Um, yeah, you guys are more on the same page with that one. I, I really understand where you're coming from. So maybe more hope with Brandon Ayuk coming out of Arizona State that he'll really add something to the offense. And the 49ers are looking. I don't know who they're looking at, but we'll see. All right, third and three podcast. We just did the NFC West, our last division we're going to do full rankings of the NFC next week. We got more coming at you still on today's show. Hang in there. We're going to be back in 30 seconds this time. Third and three podcast. Damian, Nikki, and Jason. Right back at you. It sounds like Halloween or something. Hit it. 
Don't fool yourself. Michael Jackson could be a bad boy if he wants to over here in the third and three podcast. Loving it. We're having an awesome show so far. Been fan freaking tastic. Loving everything. We just did the NFC West breakdown. We've had a lot of neighborhood news to go through with Joe Judge, Oscar De La Hoya at the age of 79, coming back to box a little bit. <laughs> Mount play a play action. Quarter, uh, it's been quarterback, head coach combinations. It's been an awesome show so far on the third and three podcast. Having an excellent time. It's been great so far, guys. We're ready to keep it going, right? We're going to have some more fun. Let's do this bad boy. All right. I think what we got up next is a certain segment that we love to call Knowledge with Nikki, where it could get a little heated as she gets a little tricky sometimes during this sort of uh, stuff. But uh, you know what? We love it, and we love to play the song. So let's hear it. This speech is my recital. I think it's very vital. To rock That's right, all time. Here we go. It's tricky, Nikki G. Here we go. It's knowledge with Nikki time. Well, there you go. I am the one who gave it to you, and I hope it sticks for good reasons, and it always will. We know it. Tricky Nikki G is ready with a tricky Nikki knowledge coming up right now. Oh, boy. And she's got some questions for us, and I hope we got the answers, Damien. Let's go, man. Are you ready or what? It's kind of terrifying. It really is. You know, you just, you never know what you're going to get. You never know. She is, she is tricky Nikki for a reason, but, but be loved with that name. There's no doubt about it. So as we get into it, let the music play and let the clock tick. Here we go. Damien or my, my turn? I think it's my turn today. All right. All right, here we go. Let me get my thinking cap on. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. It is probably our favorite segment, Knowledge with Nikki. She gives us the questions, and we fumble the answers. Let's have it. Here we go. Oh, I like that. Not last week. Not last week. Tricky Nikki G coming out straight out the gate with this. All right. What year was fantasy football interval? I know when I started playing, but I definitely know it was before that. I'm going to say 1992. No. Damien for the steal? I'm going to go 1987. No. 1962. Oh, my gosh. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Good question. I, ne- I, You know what? I never, ever, obviously, I never knew that, given my answer. That's a good question. Damn. Yeah, my answer. I, I definitely would have never guessed that far back. I knew they were doing it on, you know, newspapers and stuff like that, but yeah, I would never guess that. Far back. Wow. 1962. I was 30 years off. Shame on me. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm ready. Since the year 2000. Ooh, 
Okay, since the year 2000, the first overall pick the most times. I think I got it. I think it's LaDainian Tomlinson. Yes! Yeah! All right, that's one. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. LT. I was thinking Marshall Falk, but he was a little bit before, you know? Nope. Okay. All right. Cool. I got one. All right. You feel good? Now you're rolling. I'm a little, you know, I'm dancing over here. I'm moonwalking. I'm cool. <laughs> All right. Who was the first rookie running back to have 100 yards? I'm sorry, 100 targets and 100 carries in an NFL season. So the first rookie to have 100 targets and 100 carries. Wow, the first rookie to have 100 targets and 100 carries. I'm I'm going to go with my guy, Roger Craig. No. Okay. Damn. That's a very, that's a very good guess, Jason. Um, rookie running back. Somebody to come out just, um, just out, the, out the gate. Uh... Was it Christian McCaffrey? No, it was Reggie Bush in 06 with the Saints. No kidding. Oh. You know what? Shame on you. That is shame on you, bro. I'm not you that question. <laughs> <laughs> shame, shame. Ah, that's right. It wasn't a great year, but he did definitely, uh, they gave him a shot. There's no doubt about it. Okay, good question. Good one. All right. All right, one Jay, for three. we're rolling. Here we go. In Deshaun's Watson rookie year, how many fantasy points did he average during his six first starts? Okay, so like per game, how many fantasy points did he average in his first six starts? Mm-hmm. In what year now? His rookie year. Oh, in his rookie year. Oh, boy. Okay, rookie year. Deshaun Watson, how many fantasy points did he average in his first six starts? I mean, he went nuts, if I remember. I'm going to say, it depends what leagues kind of thing, but I'm not going to read too much into it. Let's say 28. No, Damien? I'm going to go 35. No, Jay, you were close. It was 27.2. Oh, I'll take it. He scored 27.7 in PPR. Gotta go to 27. Marshall Falk. Yes, it was. All right. All right. That was my guess, too. Yeah, he was, he was amazing. He was so great, right? That was his MVP year, too, right? I think. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. He was, all right. Okay, cool. Was that the, right. was that the fifth or the sixth? We're on the last one. Last one? Okay. Okay, tw- really? Only one quarterback in the top 10? In 27? 27- wow, that's usually there's a whole bunch in there. Okay. Uh, 2017 quarterback top 10. Only one. 
Give me a sec, give me a sec. Try not to be too obvious. 2017. All right, I gotta think of something quick. Um. Oh shoot! I'm gonna say Ben Roethlisberger. No, Damian for the steal. 2017. I'm gonna go Russell Wilson. Yeah. Oh, good job, man. Damn. Nice. Yeah. Good job. I should have thought of him. Shame on me. All right. So. All right. Okay. I got three. I'll take it. I got half. Not bad. 50% is passing in this game over here. All right. On this show. <laughs> Good questions, Nikki. Good stuff. Damn, right? That's tough. Um, I don't know, Groovy League? <laughs> <laughs> I thought if anyone could get it, it might be you. Jay, do you know? That's hysterical. I can't believe Groovy League. That's great. Groovy League. What an answer. <laughs> wow. Oh, 1962. The first fantasy league. I'm going to try to think of, like, significance. Um... Like, I'm trying to think. The John F. Kennedys? No. <laughs> All right. It was called the Greater Oakland Professional Pigskin Prognosticators. That was my second guess. That was my second. so much. I thought, like, the show. I'm out. <laughs> oh my god. That was great. Right. <laughs> that was the highlight of my freaking year. Thank you. This is, you know, I've heard the term also. It's, I'm really not sure, but the nickname thing is making me think of a. But 
the father of fantasy foot. Is it Jimmy the Greek? No. It okay. Is not. Okay. It is Uh, yep. Okay. That's fair. Ah! Look at how she ties it in all together. Well I'm done. have leeway on this let's be fair you definitely have like a you know within certain amount of points no doubt about it yeah let's call it like what we really should establish that like five within five is five even ten i would give him if, if he in, yeah. in my opinion but it's, it's your game nikki it's your game I'm thinking it's a lot higher than that. I'm going to go 290. Danny has it, 218.1. Oh, nice job. Very nice. Oh, you feel good? <laughs> Very good. Yeah, you're really bad at math because if you did that, it would have been 340. So good job out of your bad math. <laughs> it worked out for you this time. Okay, just repeat the question one more time, please. Okay, in 2002, which player submitted the second most fantasy points for weeks 1 through 16 of all time and earned fantasy owners 31.48 points per game? I got two guys on my mind right now, and I'm going to go with... Oh... There's two guys in my mind. I'm just going to say the first, <clears throat> excuse me, the first one, Kurt Warner. Oh, 
Was it Rich Gannon? Priest Holmes. Oh. Oh. Oh, because that's a good question. That's why. That's a good one. Yep. I'm with you. All right, here we go. Next one, Damien. In 2018, this quarterback earned owners huge fantasy points when he threw for over 400 yards and four touchdowns in each of the first two games of the season. 2018? Yes. Oh, so... Season before last, who came out on fire? Uh, 2018. I'm going to go with Patrick Mahomes. No. Wow, it's not Patrick Mahomes? Holy shoot. Okay. Uh, He was who I was thinking. I'm not going to lie to you. So I guess I got a little break in this one. 2018, 400 yards, four TDs. in, In what was it again? In each of the first two games of the season. Okay. In each of the first two games of the season, 28. Cam Newton. No, your boy fits magic. Oh, really? No kidding. Wow. Oh, I wouldn't wouldn't have guessed it. I wouldn't be on. I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't have guessed it. Here we go. Last one for you. In 2011, David Akers had the most fantasy points for a kicker in the modern era. How many points did he have for the season? Oh, man. Um, dang. I really, with kickers, I just pick a kicker. I know they're not really paying attention to their points. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying to think how many points. Dang. Well, the Eagles just like not getting touchdowns that year. I mean, he kicked a bunch of field goals. Kicked a bunch, yep. <laughs> so I'm going to go with uh, – I have no idea. So for a kicker, a lot for a kicker, I'm going to go with 70. No. Jay, you want to steal? So this is points throughout the season for David yeah, Akers in 2011? Yeah, how many points did he have for 2011? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll make a roundabout guess of, say, 135? 184.6. Damn it. Wow. You know, I was going to mm, – okay. I'm not even going to get into what I was thinking, but all right. Nice. Nice. Well. <laughs> Yes, well done all around. Great questions, especially. Uh, great questions. I'm so mad about that pre Holmes one. I should have got that one. But yeah. <laughs> I Reggie Bush for you because I purposely was like, "Now nah, I'm giving it to Jay because Dana's going to be like, I got it. Yeah, for Reggie Bush one, I remember us passing the ball to him a lot. I, yeah, I just. <laughs> yeah. We still had just a count at that time, too, so I forgot about him getting those carries. Let me tell you, that David Akers one, I'm thinking, I'm like, this guy kicked like, you know, around like three to four field goals a game. So I'm starting to do the math in my head. And I swear I said, I'm like, all right, I got, I'm about, I'm going to say 180. I'm like, well, 180 sounds ridiculous. And then I went down to 135, 140. Yep. 184. Okay. There you go. Kick myself right in the butt with that one. Could have had an extra point. Yep. That is knowledge with Nikki. And that was an excellent job. Well done. 
applause well-deserved all the way around. That was tough stuff. And that, oh man, I'm going to play back that segment forever. That made me laugh so hard. That other question, that is just unbelievable. That fantasy football, the first team name, just forget it. One more time for everybody Yes. I definitely am. I'm, I'm getting a whole new league, and I'm naming the whole thing that. Every team's name is going to be a part of that yeah. sentence right there. Oh, my I God. Oh, man, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely one I would never forget now. That was great. That was great. All right. <laughs> we got more to go. So before we uh, get to our, you know, before we get to another commercial break, we've got another segment we're going to talk about, like, what kind of football can we expect to see? And, you know, Damien, you brought this up as we were talking off air a little bit. Uh, what kind of football can we really expect to see, knowing that there's been no training camp for the most part? You know, they're just getting into it now, you know, a little, you know, a week or two old. You know, there's been some off you know, off-season, uh, you know, little workouts and whatnot, but no preseason games, especially going to be tough for the younger guys. I mean, I, I got a bunch of stuff I want to say. I mean, real quick, Damien, before I throw it to you, the teams that are going to have a problem are the ones that have new quarterbacks and new coaches, and the teams that are going to be okay, which you would think right away, are going to be the ones who have obviously been around for a few years together. So, I got more, a lot more than that, but I want to throw it to you for this one. That seems like the obvious right away, but there's a lot more into that. Yeah, I think the teams that are going to struggle the most are the teams that have defenses that haven't been together for a long time. Um, the defensive side of the ball, I feel like you need real practice, real game speed, real tackling, and you don't get that in practice anymore. We've talked about it the past few years how the preseason has become more and more slimmed down where starters play less and less. And I think we see that throughout the first few weeks of the season. So if you are better, take the overs the first few weeks of the season because I feel like the offenses are going to explode. Defenses are going to be missing a lot of tackles, a lot, a lot, a lot of missed tackles. So if you're a fan of your team, I wouldn't panic the first few weeks if your defense is bad. It's going to take a few weeks to get into the groove. I feel like the defenses are going to be affected the most by not having any preseason games and not having any real speed tackling. Well, that makes a heck of a lot of sense. You know that about it. And, you know, and also that and combined the defense. Yeah, it's such an important thing. You have to be on cue just as the offense does, whether it's your middle linebacker, or your safety running your defense. You got to be on point. You got to know whether you're running, obviously, whether it's zone or man and who's blitzing and who's going to cover this spot. Yeah, there's a lot. I would think the offense, Nikki, would have an advantage going in most likely. Like you're, you never want to Take a team to get 
you know, fully going, whether four, five, or six weeks. But I think, again, the teams, and not only that have been together, but who have veterans around who can help out the younger guys, the rookies, the sophomores, and so on, those will help out a lot. So I think the locker room, Damian, goes a long way playing this whole thing out. If the locker room is cohesive and they can all be on the same page and, again, have the quarterback's respect and the quarterback respects them, obviously a good you know, uh, rapport with the head coach, that goes a long way. And that's why I feel like teams like the Bengals, the Colts may start off slow, the Chargers, maybe even Tampa will start off slow. The Patriots may start off slow for the first time in a while. But, um, you know, like other teams – Cleveland, you know, maybe they'll have it together, but they have a brand new head coach. So there's a lot of different factors around that make you think that the best teams in football are going to remain the best teams in football going all the way to the end of the season. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that statement. The veteran teams definitely have an advantage because they should already be in jail with their playbooks. We talked about the best head coach and coach, head coach and QB, excuse me, combinations earlier. So we talked about the ones that are present today they have the advantage because they already know what they're doing offensively. They're going to go ahead and do tweaks here and there and not implementing a whole new playbook. So when you talk about a team with a new head coach or players that are going to new situations, those are the ones where a training camp with no preseason games and no scrimmages against other teams is going to be something that holds you back as far as just seeing what you see against other defenses. And you only can do so much against the practice squad players who are trying to scout what they haven't seen yet from other teams. So I think that everybody's going to be going in blind. And it's going to take a few weeks, like Nikki said, to really see what teams are the best and who your your team truly is. I think, Nikki, you're definitely right. You know, we all agree it's going to take time. How much time it's going to take, I don't know. But, again, the professionals who have been around, the head coaches who have been around, if you have that cohesiveness, it should work out quicker for you. So I don't expect to see – a whole bunch of sloppiness, you know, that early. Yeah, again, in the first couple of weeks, it's going to be a little bit of tough getting on the same page. But again, the advantage goes to teams who have been together and already have been on the same page for a few years. Yeah, but we see sloppy football when we're not, when we have a regular year. The first four weeks are like usually terrible aside from, it's a good point. Know, I don't know, called the Patriots or whatever. So I'm just thinking like, I mean, I think you guys all we all make good, great points. But even on a normal year, the first four weeks are like it's it's a crapshoot. Okay, you got okay, you got Fitzmagic going off for two games. You think he's going to be great, then he falls, and you know it's just like flip flopping. So I can't imagine a year like this. I just I see what you're saying. I just don't think I'm riding that high on the veterans, and I, they're going to have an advantage, but I don't know how much of an advantage it's going to be. Yeah, I get Damien, you know what, really, bro, time is time will just tell. And the one thing I think we could probably agree with that, yeah, the defense, that's a great point, is going to struggle. The offense, it's more X's and O's and make sure you're there and you're there and we have our timing down and go over a few routes or whatever it is. But the defense is harder to get together. So I get that point. There may be a lot of points scored early in the season and it may take Look, like Nikki said, it may take six weeks for, you know, some of these teams to get together. Yeah, the advantage goes to the veterans and the teams that have been around and understand each other more or whatever it is. But there definitely will be some sloppiness to start the season, Damien, before we go to commercial break. Um, yeah, it, it'll be rough for a little bit. But once again, it's a sport that we all love. And even if it is sloppy for a bit, we'll be watching. Yeah, yeah we'll definitely be watching. And if it is sloppy... Those teams who don't get through sloppiness fast enough, we're going to see a lot of teams that start off horrible. You might go 1-5, 0-6, and, and then end the 
year, eight and eight, because it took him so long to get into a groove. That's right. And that's where that seventh seed may actually help out for an eight and eight team who did take a little bit of time, maybe like the Pittsburgh Steelers last year, whatever, who would have got in. Yeah, that that can play into their favor, and I guess that's a perfect year for this to happen right now. So a lot more going forward with the NFL in total, the NFL playoffs. But still, on the 3rd and 3 podcast, we're coming back for one more sweet-ass segment for you guys. We got bold predictions, which we usually don't do on the show. We're going to have a hell of a lot more as the year goes on and a lot of betting. I didn't say it included money. I just said betting. That's all. And we got unpopular opinions for sure. I got an interesting one of what my buddies over here think about it. Hopefully we'll get into a little dinner fight club, but still, we got plenty more to go here on the 3rd and 3 podcast. So hang in there for about 30 seconds. We'll be right back with the last segment on a beautiful Sunday. 3rd and 3, coming back at you. That's right. Smooth style. Loving it over here. Third and three podcast. Been a Michael Jackson type of day, and that's the way it's going to be right now as we are rocking and rolling. So many segments, so much fun. We're having a great time. I had the greatest laugh of my life. When you guys play this back, you're going to play it back 30 times just to hear the name of the first fantasy football team ever named it is phenomenal and Nikki said it four times that I could not stop laughing it was just great <laughs> yes one more time please please thank you yes Absolutely. I give you all the credit in the world for not even stum- not even once you stumbled on it. So very well done. No doubt. <laughs> oh, man. Again, we're having a great time. Third and three podcast. Nikki, Damian and Jason are with you uh, again, presented by the sports column and brought to you by the real deal with Damian Adams and the roof of sports team over here. Now we're going to bold predictions. First time we did this bad boy in the show, and I know we're going to do a lot more. So I got mine, and mine kind of like ties together with like we we're going to maybe do two poll predictions each. Mine ties in together, so I, I can defer. I can wait. Who would like to take the first one on this? Nikki, you, you're going to be the brave one, or Damien, you're going to step up? I want to hear Nikki. Okay, okay. All right. <laughs> All right. My first bold prediction is, do not be surprised if the Broncos win the AFC West, and I think that they just might. Ooh, the, the AFC West with the defending champion uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Wow, okay, that's bold. Yes, it is bold. Now, I'm not saying that Kansas City is going to necessarily have their Super Bowl hangover, but I do think, I do think there's, if they take a step back, if they misstep just a little bit, the Broncos are coming right in there, and they're going to take advantage of it. Look, they got a lot of horsepower on that team, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> and Vic Fangio, he's a defensive-minded coach, and he's going to concoct a defense that complements Drew Locke. So Kansas City, be aware, because if you take one misstep, my Broncos are coming for you, and do not be surprised 
surprised if they win that division because I will not be surprised at all. Well, Damian, that is a bold-ass prediction. There is no doubt because we're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs over here. But the three of us love the Broncos going into the season. And if, look, if, if Drew Locke can play quarterback at, a you know, a little bit above average, you know, a good level, a high level, then, yes, yeah, this team can go really far. Winning the West, I don't know, but this is a good team. Like, I love the Broncos on a girlfriend level. I <laughs> <laughs> love the Broncos on a wife level, right? So it's kind of to it. But I definitely like that bold prediction. I love, you know, going out on a limb there, so I like that one. All right. Yeah, I like it, too. I like it, too. All right. Very good. Very good. And it, you know what? It's the NFL. Anything can freaking happen. All right. Very good. But nice start. Damien, give us one of yours, bro. My bold prediction is that we see a quantum leap from Josh Allen this year, QB for the Bills, and he will be a pro bowler Ooh. in the AFC this year for one of the best quarterbacks in the AFC. Wow. Let me tell you something, bro. If he's a pro bowler and he takes that giant leap, the Bills are going to win the freaking Super Bowl, dude. That would be incredible. Yeah, Stefan Diggs being there helps. Yo, that's a bold prediction, no doubt, because he's had a lot of accuracy issues, but – he can throw the hell out of that football. So, whoa, if your bold prediction is right, watch out NFL and watch out Chiefs, Nikki. They will be a badass team. I hope so. I hope I, – I really do. I hope that bold prediction is right because, like we said, no excuses, right? Nope, no excuses. No, no excuses for the Bills this year. No, nope. there, there really isn't. Not, they got... not even with Cam Newton over there because half the team opted out for the Patriots. Yeah. And like you guys said, there's they're new, new. We don't even know how Cam Newton and Bill Belichick are going to gel. So no excuses. I still rule no excuses for for the Bills. And Damien, I noticed how you said quantum leap. Now, if you just said leap, that wouldn't be a bold prediction because anything better than what he's been doing lately, you know, has will be you know will be a lot better. But a quantum leap, I'm that'd be fantastic for that team, man. It really would. All right, bold predictions. Sticking with the NFL. Look, mine is tied in together, so I'm going to give you both of mine together, if you don't mind. And it relates all to the Indianapolis Colts and the fact that they're going to win the AFC South division. Why is it a bold prediction? I'm going to tell you why. Because some of the reasons I mentioned in our last segment, talking about Phillip Rivers or whatever, but plus the fact that they missed the playoffs last season not just that, two other teams in their division, the Titans and Texans, both made the postseason. The Colts did not. So I believe my number one bold prediction is that they will win the AFC South division. All right. We know that Rivers can get the job done if protected. They got a great offensive line. They can run the ball if T.Y. Uh, Hilton can stay healthy. Great. But to tie in with my second bold prediction is that Phillip Rivers wins comeback player of the year. So I believe that Phillip Rivers will win comeback player of the year because of that offensive line. Now, Houston obviously lost their best weapon. Well, maybe their second best weapon because Deshaun Watson is incredible himself. Tennessee, I'm not sure what we're going to get out of them, even though they are stacked. We'll see. But my bold prediction is that the Colts win the South. And Phillip Rivers, my second bold prediction is that he wins comeback player of the year and has a very good year um, as a result of his teammates around him. So, Damian, what do you think of that? I like it. I like the bold prediction. I'm going with Tennessee to win the South, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Colts won the South. 
I definitely can see that happening. And if they do win the South, there's no doubt that Rivers will be in the conversation for comeback player of the year after having the not-so-good year for the L.A. Chargers last year. Right, right. And then that's why I feel like, again, it, it all ties in together. Look, they got a pretty good defense. Xavier Rhodes is not what he used to be. But he can mentor those younger guys. Still got Justin Houston coming off the edge. You got Darius Leonard, you know, at uh, linebacker. So I think that they're a very fit team. And again, the biggest reason why it's a bold prediction is because both the Tennessee Titans and the Houston Texans, Nikki, both made the playoffs last year and uh, the Colts were out. So that's why I made it a bold prediction. No, I like it. I could see them winning. Um, like, I remember when we did this ranking, I remember saying, yeah. Um, Pro Football Focus had their offensive line ranked number one for that, I think, overall. So I could see them easily winning, or not easily, but I could see that happening. Rivers, well, maybe, hopefully, if he wins Comeback Player of the Year, I may rethink my overrated rating of him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, again. Again, he's going to a team with a lot of talent. So you know what? You're kind of like. If you don't do it here, Rivers, and you didn't do it with all the talent you had in L.A., then it's a you problem. You are the issue. That's fair. That's absolutely fair. And look, an, an, an older quarterback, Damian, his best friend is is the guy behind him, you know, carrying the football. So Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack, work off the play action. Yeah, why not, bro? Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. They're going to run the ball a lot. It's not going to be on his shoulders to carry the offense. They're going to run that rock. It's going to be old school football. And they're going to lean on a veteran a little bit to get you out of tough situations, but they want to run that rock. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, I'm feeling good about the Colts this year. So maybe not the tremendous bold prediction, but again, I think bold because they were left out of the playoffs and two other teams in their division did make it. Going forward, we'll see. Hey, the Texans open up against the Chiefs on the first Thursday night. Damn freaking champion Chiefs, whatever with them. All right, Nikki, let's hear your next one. Predictable coming for me, but the injustice will stop in 2020, and Russell Wilson will win MVP. Oh no, that's bold. That's bold. But, he, but he's look—he's got the offensive supporting cast to put up big numbers. He's a tried and true winner. He's got the firepower. He's mm-hmm. got the skill. The drought will end in Seattle. Stop the injustice. Give this man a vote. He will win MVP. Wow. I, Damien, I think that's bold because, again, you know, we got Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, you know, yada, yada. Yeah. You never know. what. So, yeah, it is a bold prediction, even though Russell Wilson, I believe, is the best quarterback in the league. I, I agree with her. That's a bold prediction. Yeah, no, it's a bold prediction. Like you mentioned, Patrick Mahomes, if he goes off again, I kind of compare him to Giannis. It's kind of hard not to vote him for MVP with the stats he puts up. Uh, you got Lamar Jackson. Come on, man. The running and passing that he does, the way that's set up, you only expect improvement from him because he's so young. So it's going to be a stacked bill for MVP. But Russell Wilson definitely deserves one. And, he, you know, he should get one before his career is over. So why not this year? Why not? Why not? You know, I really hope not, to be honest with you, because that means this team is doing really well and may win the division. So, <laughs> you know, but uh, again, I get a great guy, great quarterback, and he certainly deserves it. So maybe in one of our down years when we're taking a nap, let him win it. But uh, I'm with you. That, hey, bold prediction, no doubt. All right, Damien, I know you got another one. Yes, uh, my bold prediction is that Adrian Peterson will get – I'll go 800 rushing yards this year for the Washington football team. Whoa. 
That's a lot for him. Wow. Okay, that's yeah. pretty bold, bro. That's bold. Well, why do you think so? Well, you, you, you lost your main running back. We talked about that last week. True, um, true. Darius Geis, who pretty much was never there. Uh, you got a young quarterback. Even if you have Alex Smith starting, either way, you're going to want to run the ball a lot. You're trying to establish an identity. You got a head coach, Ron Rivera. Hopefully, all prayers go to him that he's well and is able to coach the year. Right. So you have that type of coach who wants to run the rock, depending on the defense. He could see Adrian Peterson still has a little bit left in the tank, so I could see him going for 800 yards this year. You know what? I love it. I remember about two years ago, uh, they were having a conversation as Adrian Peterson done and whatnot when he went to the Cardinals and then he ended up going to the Redskins and everything. Um, didn't he play for the Saints for like four seconds or something like that? Yeah, before he, uh, yeah, right. he, was, there, he was there for a little bit. We were so excited of the combination with him and Kamara and Ingram. And it was just too many running backs. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's what it was. But he ended up getting picked up, and then he had, you know, some explosive games. So, look, at a very advanced stage, especially for a running back, but you can't count out a guy like AP. So while that's definitely a bold prediction, and 800 yards is tough to get in the NFL, especially when you play for one of the crappiest teams in the league. All right? So no offense to their fans or anything. But, Nikki, yeah, that's going to be tough to get 800 yards. Yeah, I think so, but I do. I love the boldness. I love it. I love the bold pick. I, I hope he doesn't, all right? Like, I don't need anyone else. Like, please don't. But, no, I love the pick. <laughs> I like to. Very nice. All right, so, all right, some very nice bold predictions, and we stuck around the NFL a lot. We have on this. We have, to, like, I have mine written down, so I want to go back at the end of the season and be like, who was Oh, wrong? definitely. Who was right? Oh, Recap the year. All the bets that we're going to have, I've already got gold plates stashed underneath the ground somewhere in Florida, and I'm, I'm about to bring them out, and I'm ready to go for all our bets. There's no doubt about it. It's happening. It's happening. <laughs> um, I think we got our bold predictions in. I know mine were together. Did we have another one or are we ready for unpopular opinion? I am ready for unpopular opinion. Okay. All right. Unpopular opinions. Here we go. This is where we make you guys think, scratch your head, and say, WTF? So I'm, uh, you know, I don't like saying the F word on the, uh, on the, <laughs> on this. I'll leave that to Nikki. No, I'm kidding. Anyway, here we go. <laughs> Forget it. Oh, oh my God. It's like you just read my mind. Now I have to go first. Okay. You just said forget about it. Here we go. Unpopular opinions. The Sopranos is one of the most overrated shows of all time. I have no doubt about it. I was even looking up overrated shows, and it didn't appear anywhere, and I was shocked. The whole forget about it, the whole, all these WTF moments when the show went. Look, the first couple of seasons were were very, very good and very entertaining because we hadn't seen anything like that on TV, kind of like since The Godfather or Goodfellas or whatever. So it was really exciting. But the writing was absolutely horrible. The entire vocabulary of the show, I think, consisted of about 12 to 13 words. So, I mean, look, the ending, everybody thought the cable went out. You know, they're playing the freaking Journey song, which they all they did was make that song popular again. You know, uh, their masterpiece, Don't Stop Believing. So, after the, look, the first, like I said, two seasons, maybe even three, they were good. But the first season was the best. By the time they got to the fourth and the fifth, they were struggling the storylines. It ends up where Tony kills his freaking nephew, Chris, because they get into a car accident. I mean, how many freaking times can they have the same meeting in the same warehouse? And we all know that they're, you know, whatever they're arguing about, you know, all these mafia families in Jersey and New York, they're going to break all the rules. Everybody's going to get shot. And to me, it was just a completely overrated show. And it was redundant to me because every week it seemed like the same 
thing over and over again. And the only guy who really had any interesting storylines was Christopher and uh, and what's the name from the show? Uh, Camilla, if I forgot what her name was, but whatever, his girlfriend. Interesting storyline there. But other than that, I think that show was so overrated and the ending to me proved it. I don't know if you guys seen the whole thing. Again, I could be in one of those right now office situations like Damien was last week. But I think The Sopranos was so, so overrated. And yeah, it might be an unpopular opinion. So, Nikki, I don't know. You see the show. What do you think? Um, it's not on an overrated list because it's not an overrated show. Okay. And I feel personally attacked right now. I'm sorry, Jersey girl. right there holy moses i'm so glad you're nowhere near me right now because i feel like my life would be at stake i really do oh my god you're bringing out the moth i'm sorry are they related to you look i was definitely thinking about you when it happened i'm like oh my god that's right she's from jersey she's gonna totally flip out of me right now me being a new yorker obviously and of course we're so much better than you guys so i really wanted to stick it in your face (laughs) well i don't know i already said one unpopular thing today (laughs) uh but that is it damon you ever see the show All right. No, don't. No, don't watch it. It's boring. It's boring. Watch the first two seasons and that's it. <laughs> I, I piss Nick you off so bad right now. <laughs> I hear you. You know what's really great about Jersey? They got two football teams, and they won't even name one of them after them. They're both the New York Giants and the New York Jets. That's how great they are. All right? Stop. Right, you want to go all day? I got you. We'll do a whole other podcast of how you're the armpit of America in Jersey. Yep, that's it'll be there forever. Look, we love you, you know, you New Jersey devils over there, okay? But uh, you know, we'll we'll take care of you guys. No, that was fun. Nikki, God bless you for coming at me with that one because I knew it was an unpopular opinion. I t- I took it. All right, you came at me like a champ right there. You spoke like a true northeastern. So God bless you, and I'm really glad that we're not near each other right now. But yep, that's my unpopular opinion, and you led me right into it. Worked out great. Damien, watch the first two seasons and then forget about it. That's it. You're over. <laughs> All right. Let's get yours in, guys. Let's make sure it happens. Here we go. Um, Nikki, I think that you had enough talking for a minute. So let's go to Damien. <laughs> uh, my opinion to 
day is about food. And I believe that lobster is the biggest scam in American history. Oh, I like this. Preach. throwing it to you because I am so on his side right now. I don't get it. Is it because they have 48 legs or something like that and they're alive and you get to pick it out? Is that the reason? I, I don't get the whole thing. I'm with them. I don't know. Does it have anything to do with, like, are they harder to catch than shrimp? Like, does that have anything to do with that? Those things move like two miles an hour. You can pick it up with your I bare hand. Yeah, I don't know. You watch that deadliest catch. Like, the waves are coming. The boat's capsizing. <laughs> <laughs> Damien, you're not knocking lobster. It's just what the hell is this so overpriced for? Yeah, you know what? That's a Google search coming up after the show. There's no doubt about it. I like that, man. I, I'm with you. That lobster, I don't, I don't know why they go there, but we're going to find out as we do. We'll Google everything after the show. This is where we fill our heads with knowledge because we don't know anything going into it, obviously. But I like that one right there. I'm with you all the way, bro. I like it. We got our last one, Nikki. Unpopular opinion. I bet she changed it like in the middle. It's something about New York now. I can't wait. Here we go. No, it's not. I mean, we have better pizza than you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. No, I actually have a weird unpopular opinion. Um, okay, so you know how we like to. Well, oh, Nick, Nikki's. I like to rank some of the subjects in a school of importance, okay? Ooh. I think Yes. I think then you'd logically be like, oh, English. Well, no, not based on some of the resumes that I've seen this week. So, I don't <laughs> think they're teaching kids in English. No, I literally had a resume in the objective line. It said, just trying to get my life together. Oh, God. <laughs> hey, what the hell are you doing? So, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that gym slash health class is probably the second most important subject. Why? Nice. Why would it be so crazy to say that? Okay, well, because I like things that are immediately applicable. What's immediately applicable? Math, right? I'll use that every day. I'm in project management. I think we all use some form of math every day. What else is applicable? Health class is applicable because you know what? You need to know what's going on in your body. What do they teach you? Nutrition, sex ed. And by listening to some of these kids, they don't pay attention. 
attention in class because they don't understand what is going on or how things function in the opposite sex. Okay? They also give you the information to make informed decisions about your body. And the most practical thing I ever did in school was that, you know, you get that egg baby that carry that around with you for like whatever, right. or two or something. Yeah. Right. The teacher assigns you your your school, your classmate, wife and husband. You get a real job. You get real income to deal with. That is something I can apply right away. And gym class, why are you guys bitching? Get up. It's the only time of day you're moving around. And every gym teacher I've ever known is an ex-athlete, an ex-coach. And for 45 minutes, God bless Miss Petrovsky. I had her. She was a tough cookie. She'd be screaming <laughs> at you to run that mile because you were better than everybody else. She's going to tell the coach you didn't run it. Like, I feel like kids who aren't on a team, they get that 45 minutes of, like, somebody pushing them and learning how to work together as a team. And also... We had great speakers in house class. We had like ex-crackheads. We had alcoholics. Wow. People telling you the dangers. Like if you do drugs, like what will happen to you? Your life will go in the shooter if you're an alcoholic. So I feel like gym slash house class does not get enough love. And it's more important than people think. First of all, God, before Damien, I go to you, God bless you for saying that because as you guys know, I am a PE teacher. I am a coach. That's what I've been doing forever now. And you're, it is so important. And I don't know, some kids, I don't get why they don't want to go out and shoot hoops and learn this and do that. It's free time, basically. It's fun. Play sports, get involved, run, sweat a little bit. But kids are so like technologically, you know, technologically, uh, whatever the word is, that they're just so into games and things like that. They didn't even think about going out and having fun and exercising. Now, thank God I have a lot of students who love to play ball and everything. And you're right. It's immediate give and take and impact. It's like, oh, instead of doing that, do this. And you learn something in two seconds. So I love that you said that right there among many other things. So your unpopular opinion, I share, Damien, no doubt. Yeah, I'm with you guys. Like, for me, PE was how I found out, like, I was good at basketball when right. I was younger, and I was like, okay, I'm going to pursue this, and it led to so many great relationships because I was good at basketball, and I played in high school, and got to play in the Navy. They, well, I wouldn't have found it out without PE. I wouldn't have found it out good at football or been able to, like you said, you go, you go to sex ed, and you find out these things that you will need immediately. Like, in high school, a lot of people are having sex. So you need success you know, before you get there. It's true. You don't make a tragic mistake when you're a freshman or sophomore in high school, you know. Um, the whole thing about having a baby for a week, that's great birth control. Yeah. Because after that, you don't want one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely health, PE, great. Um, I remember I had a PE teacher in middle school that taught us ping pong. And that was so much fun because I never played ping pong before and never had any idea. All I thought was on TV, people playing ping pong. And go and learn how to play ping pong. And I won the ping pong championship in eighth grade. Oh, wow. I was like, it was awesome. Yeah, I play now. Like, anytime something like we have, anytime I get a chance to play ping pong, I play. I'm not as good now, obviously. But back then, we played like every day. So I got really good at it. So Uh PE was my favorite subject, not because, you know, I was an athlete, but just because you had the interaction with good PE teachers and interaction with other students to play. And like Jason mentioned, they needed more of the day than when we went to school because we actually played outside. So with kids today, they're so dependent on technology that they need that physical activity at least one hour a day, and PE is a big part of that. 
Absolutely. No doubt about it. Well said all around. So your unpopular opinion is a popular opinion around here in the third and three podcast, Nikki. There's no question. We all agree with that. And yeah, there are certain things in school. It's like, wow, just stop wasting time and let's get to the real sort of stuff, you know, and not just like whatever mumbo jumbo. So I can go off with that one forever. Third and three podcast having an amazing time right here. We only got a couple of minutes left. So I want to ask you guys the weirdest question that you probably never expecting to come out of my mouth right now. But since we have a couple of minutes left, I have to ask Damien first. I know it's so weird, bro. Do you believe in UFOs? Okay. But I'm, I, I'm not going to question anybody who said they have seen one. Fair enough. There's been so many weird things that happened, especially this year in 2020. So if somebody says they've been abducted, or they've seen a UFO, I'm not going to question it. All right. You see, I like that open mindedness right there. Never seen one, but you know what? Could be there. Nikki, same question to you. Um, yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> Yeah. I, I like immediate proof. Well, I hear that. Look, we don't know if these things flying around out there sometimes if they're man-made or foreign or, you know, from a really foreign from a whole nother galaxy or whatever it is. But I will tell you guys really, really fast. I've seen two. Let me tell you the first story really quick. We're driving down. We're not exactly sober. It's 11 o'clock at night on a Tuesday. And all of a sudden I look up and there's this big giant green. Th- I'm talking huge, like twice the size of a blimp. And it's lit up green, and what me and my friends are looking at it. We're like, "What the hell is that freaking thing?" And bam, there it is, right over our heads. And we're looking, and this is back in like I'm talking 2001, so we couldn't take a picture or anything. Real quick, before we knew it, this thing boom out of town. So I don't know nothing that can do that. From that day, I was a total believer. I got more stories come on UFOs, guys. I swear to God, I love the subject, but I saw that. Take my word for it. It was insane. Absolutely insane. So that's why I had to bring it up. The memory just brought back when I was talking with a friend earlier today. So anyway, to end it on that weird note right there, the third and three podcast had a hell of a lot of fun. We've got the real deal with Damian Adams over here. I mean, I call him Damian Williams 50 times, you know, a day, but that's okay. Damian Adams, our man, the real deal. You must check out his show. Nikki, unbelievable as always with the i mean the questions today were outrageous i can't say enough about it but you guys know where to find us at third and three podcast follow us all on twitter at once let's all say peace and enjoy your sundays guys later everyone